let's acknowledge the good friends of the Law Party Podcast, the Majestic Restaurant and Pendergast Club, 931 Broadway in Kansas City, Missouri, the J. Rieger Kansas City Distillery. Oh, so good. Now onto our regularly scheduled program. It's not getting in, getting in. Now, welcome everybody out there. The Good Times with Good People Company proudly presents the Law Party Podcast, where it is always about good times, good people, and good talk. Please subscribe to the Law Party Podcast on YouTube, Facebook, uh, and SoundCloud. And be sure to tell a friend. You have received your invitation, and welcome to the party. I'm your host and moderator, Rio, and let me introduce you to the roundtable. So, we have our returning champion, Chris O'Connor. He is the co-owner of Liquid Nine Broadcast Media. We have our own personal brain mass, Brian Massey. He is a market analyst with True Media and the anonymous female because she doesn't want you to know her name. And today's topic, we decided uh, on last week that we were going to take a diversion from um, all the politics talk, although... There was quite a bit going on this week, and um, I almost made an executive decision to switch back <laughs> to to our normal scheduled program. But uh, this week, um, our topic, um, which came up in last week's podcast, uh, is called Mortgage on Your Brain, which um, is really a discussion about you know, it started with the things that you don't learn in high school. You know, you they uh, when we were growing up, and you know, a lot of schools still don't do personal finance, so they don't really teach you about uh, what the what the stock market is or any type of you know financial literacy or um, you know they there's constant talk about. Um, Entrepreneurship, small business being, you know, the bedrock of the American economy, but um, but very few schools, um, even at the collegiate level, offer um, any kind of courses that um, help you to know what that is or what that looks like. Um, so um, I kind of wanted to talk with the roundtable today about um, kind of everybody's you know, kind of personal journeys of how they got where they are and and their thoughts on um, those missing components and how they feel that maybe, you know, America in, in particular, it could be different if, if we were to be teaching these things at an earlier age. Uh, and I actually wanted to start, um, I wanted to start uh, start young, and uh, so we'll start with Brian because he is one our own personal brain mass, but two, he is the millennial at the table. So um, uh, I'm sure since I threw this out last week, uh, your brain churned on this a little bit. What are you, What are you thinking? Um, well, I'm I'm thinking actually going back through school. Uh, you know, in middle school and high school, I believe we had an accounting finance class, but I was not required to take it, and I did not take it. Okay. Uh, I took some of the 
I did take math courses um, like calculus and, and physics, that sort of thing. It was an option, I think, and if you took one of those, you didn't necessarily have to take finance. Um, but I don't remember anyone having to take those, uh, which is which is too bad. Which is too bad because uh, I think that everyone could benefit a lot from it. I mean, I I think most of my friends. I think even myself, when I first needed to write a check for rent, I wasn't even sure how to write a check. Well, and I'm going to interrupt you for a second. I think there's a difference between finance and accounting and personal finance. Like, I, I think you you learn a little bit different, you know, different, I don't know, really know if it's different topics, but you learn it a different way. I think that's what we're missing. I mean, and they don't, when I was in school, they did a thing called Exchange City, and I can't remember what they changed the name of it to, but you actually went for a day. They taught you how to write checks. You had a checking account. You went to this little city, and you had a job there, and mm. you got paid by the hour. You had There was a bank you went and cashed your check at. You know, you had to keep your register. I don't think they do that anymore. Yeah. Now that you mentioned that, actually, I think maybe in middle school there was, in home ec, which we were required to take, there was probably mm -hmm. a module that was about checking accounts, I think. Mm -hmm. um, but that's reaching so far back. I mean, that, that'd be sixth or seventh grade. And if that did exist, that was the only time in my, my whole career until I got to college, which we don't have personal finance in there either. <coughs> um, yeah, that, that's got to change, right? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I, I just find that uh, people in general, you know, Americans in particular, but people in general, um, have no clue about, uh, you know, money and how it works, let alone, um, you know, our larger financial system. You know, <clears throat> they have truly no clue about that, you know, but... You know, there's so many people that just can't even, like you say, keep their own checkbooks balanced. And, uh, and you know, I often think that, you know, if this was something that was taught in high school, you know, it was, and not just uh, like a small module in home ec, because I do think uh, if, if schools even still have home ec programs, that, that may be a small module. <laughs> And, you know, and they go through that one week where, you know, you get the test on, you know, did you balance the checkbook right? But, you know, I think at the end of the day, you know, like I personally know people who they just can't seem to not balance a check. So they don't have a bank account. So they just really so they don't have to worry about the fees for bouncing the check. And that's so limiting. So they, yeah, exactly. It's yeah. very limiting because there's a lot of a lot of things that you want to do, that you want to buy and apply for. They want you to have some type of checking or savings account. Yeah. It's also, on the other side, is you can go learn. It's not that hard to go on the internet and say, how does a checking account work? But... But that's your generation. But that's who we're talking about. Right now it is. But in yeah, well, general, that's where we're starting. But, <laughs> but in general, that is not the way people in their 30s and 40s think. think. Yeah. Not naturally. 
I would not. I, I would not agree with that. I completely disagree <coughs> with that. I think the people at this table do it. I think there's but a I proliferation you, of free tools online uh, that has has made it so much easier to do so. And I was laughing when you were talking about writing a check. I haven't written a check since 1996. You there's know, because there's been QuickBooks, QuickIn, <laughs> and everything else to get all my stuff electronically. There I use my debit card for every transaction. Yes, but there are still some places that won't take it. They'll only take cash or check. Right. Those, those are places you probably don't want to be shopping, <laughs> honestly, and I would tell them to screw off. So I'll just go, I'll find the place that takes Square, because everybody can take Square. Yeah. So that's nonsense. So, and then beyond the other big thing, we, we keep talking about balancing the checkbook. That's not where most people get into problems. They get into problems with debt, with accumulating debt, because they don't understand how interest works. And they have these yeah. massive payments. But that's all part of personal finance. It's not. It's a very separate piece. Because there's so many times, like you were saying in school, you went and you worked for a day and you got your check and then you figured out where it went. Da, da, da. You're not accounting for student loan debt and the APR that you're paying all the yeah. time and high interest rate credit cards. And on top of that, pe people don't know they can't discharge student loan debt through bankruptcy. It's going to stick with them forever, forever. But they mount that debt up mm -hmm. so high because they don't want to work. Yeah, no, I mean, it's ridiculous. So I think if maybe people have a better understanding of literally just how crippling debt can be to you, it might change the mentality of someone's But I know me in high school, and I did not listen to, no matter what. You know, I had to figure it out the hard way. I think, um... Wait, but like, did they even... No, I'm sorry to cut you off. But did they even have any type of personal finance? No, no. Yeah, and I think that's... Well... <clears throat> I think what you're talking about, I definitely want to go there because I think that's out. a huge part. Just to be fair, I, yes. I did not go through the public school system, so I have no idea what if the public schools taught that. We had a fixed curriculum. There were only 30 people in my class. You took the class they told you to take. Right, right, so right. I don't know what other schools offer. but They didn't. And even, like When I was in school, home ec had Did nothing to do with financial anything. It was all about sewing, cooking, stuff like that. I mean, yes, life skills, but, um, <coughs> like, the company I work for did a pilot program and sent people through a personal finance class, and what you're talking about it was part of that class. It was all learning how to manage your debt, how to, to either get out of or stay out of debt, sure. how to keep your credit, you know, improve your credit rating, how, I mean, all of that was involved in this class. And also, yeah, yes, maybe some of it starts in high school, but <coughs> I would throw this out, and this is slightly off topic, but not really. So take a, a guy like Brandon Rush, for example, who played uh, college basketball at KU. He, it was clear he was going to stay one year and go to the pros. The, you should be able to major in basketball at that point. Right. The point of college is you know, to right. prepare yourself for a job. So instead of seeing him sit there in a stupid algebra class or English 101 and just pretend he's doing anything, yeah. why not teach him how to negotiate with an agent or read a contract or understand how his but finances I think you are going to work? That's it, though. That's still personal finance. I agree, but that's out of college. Level, and they don't even do it in college. Right. And that's a dude well, who you know is going to walk into millions of dollars and they blow it. That's exactly yeah. what I yeah. mean. Like, at no level of our educational system is it a real part of the curriculum. If it's there, it's this soft elective that you, you, you could take, and it's only for a semester anyway. Yeah. And, but I also think that <coughs> those, of, uh, those that would find that important 
those that understand the importance of taking that class are probably already being taught by their parents and you have would, since day one. You would think that, and I would disagree only for this reason. I, I the the school I went to that was not in the public school system was, and this is 89, was exceptionally expensive to go to. It was full of rich kids, and a lot of them have fiz- failed miserably because their parents did not talk to them about money back then. We never, my dad would never discuss money with No, that was, a, that was a taboo topic. Yeah. When, when we assume that you grew up with money. And my parents never, I didn't know until I was older really how much or little money that they had because that was just my norm, you know? But they didn't talk about if they were struggling to pay bills or... You know, I've never hid anything from my my kids. They knew what I could afford, what I couldn't. They knew what I made. They knew how much of that went to paying bills. And, you know, there's five years difference between them in age. My son absorbed none of that. And the minute he started working, he spent, he was, he, he was, until he now has his own place, was living paycheck to paycheck. Barely. My daughter, on the other hand, always has money in her account. She's always very conscious of what she's spending her money on, how much money she's spending. I don't want you to buy that. I want it, but I don't want you to buy it because I know how expensive it is. So she's hearing it and understanding it and realizing why she may not have everything that her friends have or you know like she has a friend that her mother puts herself in debt so her daughter can go to every concert she wants to go to and have vip passes and i'm like at some point you have to be realistic of what you can really afford to do and sometimes you have to tell your kids no but i don't think (laughs) i I think i and i'm i'm in sort of a unique probably a unique uh, relationship with my family because uh, I would say over the past four years, maybe five years, uh, I talked to my entire family about finances and it's usually theirs, whether that be a one-on-one with my mom and helping her create a budget and all that, but as a, as a kid, we never talked about it. Yeah. Like my parents didn't talk to me about it. And then eventually um, my brother and his wife had you know, come to me and said, hey, help us, can you help us build a spreadsheet for this stuff like you did mom? And so we sat down and did it. Uh, so that was, that was actually kind of fun. And it's, since then, it's been more of an open conversation of, mm. hey, this is what we want to do, you know, and this is, and we're still using that. We're trying to budget out. And so. I'll tell you what I think is kind of funny because it kind of tags on what you're saying. I get more people constantly asking me for help setting up their business accounting then nobody ever touched me with their personal finances. I still think there's this weird taboo about talking about personal finances yeah. and what you do, but it's okay to ask for a business or I'm going to be an entrepreneur and help me set up my, you know, yeah. I think, think though, so too, I think if you know the person you're talking to is, I don't want to, better off isn't the word I really want to use, but in a better financial situation than you. That's better off. You, you, don't, <laughs> you don't, but it just sounds, yeah, it just sounds like if they're doing better than you, you don't really want to, I mean, I see that, you know. It's funny to me that that's not the exact person that you would go to for advice. Well, to me, th- that's exactly what my I thought. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, to, like, that's exactly my thought. Like, you know, look, um, 
I am the richest broke person in the world. <laughs> like, I'm super broke, but I never, I guess, come across as broke. Um, and broken, and broke is probably the wrong word. I just, I, I, I make okay money at my job, but I don't have a job that pays me a hundred grand a year. You know, I have a fairly regular job, and but I have enough money to do some of the things that I like to do. Not everything that I would like to do, but but some of the things and, and enjoy the time with friends that I can enjoy with with them. But it, I wouldn't be embarrassed, but I do know men and women, you know, who would be wholly embarrassed to say, hey, you know, personally, you know, I'm having some money issues. Do you think you can help me work through that, you know, and but I personally, you know, there may be the only, I guess, pride issue, I guess, is, you know, that, you know, that you had to get to a place where you needed to ask the question, but if I got to the place where I needed to ask the question, I'm going to go to somebody that I know is, is seemingly doing all right in life. Well, and I think somebody that you can trust to be honest and, um, Helpful. Well, yeah, Is I mean, it, I, you know, not I try not to. I mean, I want to know the answer to the question no matter what. Yeah. I mean, if there's a chance that I can be doing better, I want to know the answer. Yeah. And you can find yourself, because I saw one of the questions on here is about entrepreneurship. Really? You can find yourself in exactly what my position is, which is, man, on paper, got millions of dollars of assets in, in cash. <laughs> not so much. You know, I mean, it's just one of those things. Yeah. So there's all kinds of different levels of things. And I also think employees, like, again, being a business owner, they have no idea how much you pay for employees. Like, they don't have a clue what the value of their services is. I am one of the only employers I know that lets everybody have open access to our books so they can see it. Because when we started our company, my first business partner, uh, she literally just multiplied the hours she worked by the hour that hourly rate that she billed. And it goes, oh, I easily do a million dollars a year in video editing. Well, you did like eighty, you know, <laughs> like eighty thousand bucks. Like you weren't working all the time, yeah. you know. And so exactly. it was so stupid. And then people don't figure in the taxes, don't yeah. figure in the cost of health insurance, don't figure in the cost of anything. Well, crap. they don't. Yeah, a hundred thousand dollars is not a hundred thousand dollars in the bank. No, that's not the same exactly. thing. Yeah, and we use thirty-three um, percent. One point. Your salary times thirty-three percent is approximately what you are as what you cost the company yeah. because that includes well, exactly. your benefits and vacation and, and the benefits are huge mm -hmm. I mean you got to consider lost wages in there too there's a lot of things to consider so yeah I think it's interesting if we you know, step back to asking for help there's I think an interesting parallel to some of these things and that comes to um, like a little bit of health you know when people want to ask for help um, <clears throat> if they're not making the healthiest decisions and maybe want to get a personal trainer, for example. Um, it takes a little bit of humiliation to say, you know what, maybe I do need help. But you also have to recognize that you're willing to admit to yourself that you're not making the best decisions. And how many people go and ask for help, get told what they need to do, and then don't do it. Uh, yeah, so they don't want to hear, they don't, they're not ready to hear whatever it is. And then they lash out, generally, or they quit doing it. It is funny, as an employer, I can think of at least three times that I thought, 
Somebody needed some help with something, so we made it an employee policy to get everybody involved. So, for example, we would get everybody a gym membership now with a trainer three days a week just because there were people who were becoming less healthy, and I know it. And we pay 100% of health insurance because if I didn't, I know the exact number of people who won't get insurance in the first place. You know, and all these little things that I'm like, no, if I don't make you do it, if I don't do it for you, you're not going to do it. You know? I remember, and I love my... Uh, I guess ex-sister-in-law to death she was one of the greatest people I know super kind but I remember five ten years ago before she got married and everything, she used to complain so much about not being able to afford health insurance but she was constantly able to pick up the plane ticket to go to Denver and see her boyfriend and, oh, yeah. and the cable TV and the bar tab and everything oh, yeah. it's, like, well, it's a matter of what you choose to spend yeah, your money priorities. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. when people say they can't afford something like a room Really, let's 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 sit down and examine where your money's going. Then we'll yeah, I mean, out. I think that well, there's like some people. Well, like my mom and dad, I can truly say I know that they have a struggle to afford it, but they do it sure. and they pay it. Well, they're probably and getting older and it gets incredibly expensive. You can argue that the insurance system is broken, and I agree that it is. Yeah, but when you are in your twenties. <laughs> insurance is so cheap. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is ridiculous. Well, like, they're giving so away with a risk. Coke can, man. You're like, you, it's like you have a coupon for it. Mm-hmm. It's nonsense. <clears throat> yeah. So, so you're, you know, it's interesting you talk. So it's about self, it's, it's decisions, making good decisions, and really self control, right? So you parallel that to, hey, should I go eat this uh, giant buffet of, of food, for example? And then it's the same thing with finance. The new iPhone's coming out. Should I buy it? Can I? Yes, I have a credit card. I can go purchase that. Um, so you're really delaying that that pain to later, whether it's financial or health. And it's not just one purchase of an iPhone. It's every financial decision that you're making after a while it catches up to you. Absolutely. But if you think the decision's through, I'm more than okay going to a buffet and having drinks tonight because I work out six days a week. I know exactly what my calorie intake is, and I know that... That is a trade-off that I'm willing to make. Right, uh-huh. so maybe you can afford it. So then, yes, that at that point, that that would be the thing. If you want to make a health analogy, that would be the health analogy of being able to afford, you know, a buffet or something, you yeah. know, or a drink. Yeah. So. Well, and we've talked about that. Like, it, I mean, you know, if you eat bad, you do have to counter that, you know, in some way. So do we think that people are educated well enough to know that that decision to purchase something is bad if they can't afford it? Do they know if they can afford it or not? Well, I think society is set up, at least up until 2008, it was set up to, you could have every credit card you wanted and... You know, you could amass this debt, and you—I mean, ten thousand dollars worth of debt. You pay it off. Yeah, ten thousand dollars worth of debt will take you a lifetime to pay if you pay the minimum. Bad decisions you will never are not pay it blamed off. on advertisers. You should—that is, listen, I'm—I'm not okay with the, even the line of thinking. That eventually, you made the decision to take it. If you didn't read the contract that you signed, which I will admit, the contracts on credit cards are stupid. But then don't but take But I guess the that's my point. We're going back to education. Do you uh-huh. know you need to read the fine print? No. Listen. So uh, you, this country can take <coughs> responsibility for everybody's bad decisions. They just can't do it. And I would say the government. If I you want to go there, think it's, the government has equal equal part to blame. If you know anything of the Carter in 1979 mm-hmm. uh, Act, where he made it so that banks had to lend a certain amount of money in every radius that they had a bank, and all of a sudden credit. 
unworthy credit people started getting loans because the banks were forced to do that to keep the bank up. Then Clinton doubled down on it in 96 because homeownership apparently became a right in the country and not, not something you worked for. Well, yeah. you know, and it's so for some reason it's it's considered wrong to rent a place. And I'm like, I don't, I don't understand this. This is silly. Like, I would love to rent a place. I, don't, I hate owning a home. I think it sucks. I, I want out of it. But I don't think it's not it's your greatest asset. It's one of your worst traps. If you look at the homeowners thing, it wasn't that people were buying homes. It was that they were allowed to lend money that they that's not that's beyond. Not very fair. That's not. It was they were lending money that was beyond the person's ability to pay. That's, that's and you <coughs> and you didn't pay enough attention. To say, I can't afford that. That is not entirely fair. What really happened was, in 96, when Clinton doubled down on the act, they started lending more and more money to people who couldn't afford it to keep their branches open. Mm -hmm. And then, they started packaging and selling those loans off. Right. As bad debt. And then the bad debt got passed around long enough to where, all, now all of a sudden we have a real problem. Right. It was unsecured. We had too big to fail. You know, we did. But I would not necessarily blame that on individual banks. I would say that system was created by... And again, no offense, because I know you guys are Democrats, and I generally vote Democratic too. This is a failure of the Democratic. Why do you think I'm, we're Democrats? Because we always talk about it. <laughs> we talk about it a million I times. I don't think I've ever said one way or another. Sure, we have. We talked about our, you know how much we <coughs> I like you, Hillary too. We're, we're, we're really also. saying the same thing. I think when I governments think set up bad policies for good intentions, mm -hmm. you end up with stuff like this. Then you then you expect a corporation to go, ah, I found a loophole. Congratulations for me. And then you have an idiot who decides to borrow. Listen, I can borrow a shit ton of money against my house. I'm not going to do it because I know what the consequence is. It's terrible. I have more debt. But a lot of people yeah. don't. But, but well, they should. They so should. Far. It works its way down from the bottom to the top. Yeah. Yeah. But well, it goes I, even so far as cable companies. You get this great introductory package. And if you don't know enough to say when is that, what's, what's the full rate? Your, your bill all of a sudden doubles and you have no idea that it's going to happen. And then you get this bill that's instead of being $80, it's $180. And what the hell happened? Well, you got the introductory rate for a year. Right. They don't tell you that when you sign up. Yes, they do. They absolutely do. They do not. You have to ask. They, they do. do not. Well, they see, this do is not. I think, I think Time Warner didn't. I think this is the real problem. I think they do tell you. Yes. But... They do you remember? But, but it's but it's but yeah. it's but it's it's such a in passing comment. It was like so it's gonna be eight dollars a month, you know, for the first year. And like and, 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 I would and challenge so, you guys right now for next week to bring back any flyer that you get that has an introductory offer that doesn't tell you what the length of the introductory offer is. That's patently illegal to do. It's not right, and you know what you're getting when you sign up for it. And by federal law, they have to disclose it. But you're that is you're a file on it federally as a promotional on rate. The phone, they don't tell you it that. It absolutely is disclosed, and it has to be by federal law. And so. The fact that you forgot a year later, and I forget all the time on crap like that, mm -hmm. doesn't make it Time Warner's fault. It said very clearly, 89 bucks for your first 12 months. They all say that. Yeah. Well, yeah. my, my issue is it the corporations or, you know, or the, the way the government has is, is, is structured itself over time. You know, I think the, the, my, I guess, more looming issue is... A lack, just a lack of general education in the country because what happens is 
your parents, let's say, really don't know much about finance at all. And so, of course, they don't teach you anything about finance. And this cycle keeps spinning down where people are just kind of, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul their entire life. And so I really thought about it's a great what if in high school or uh, like first year of college, you know, where they had to, they had to take you through a full, like it wasn't a semester That's course, true, no, it was a year, you know. Of, of personal finance, which broke down from just one how to like personally take care of uh, like, like the checkbook, quote unquote, but also talked about uh, how how does the stock market even work? You know, not even not you know. I think I think there's a certain level where you get you get really into the weeds. But I think there's not the weeds. But but but, but, but what I'm talking about isn't the weeds. It's just I don't think enough people know how our financial system works at all. I think they just know I go to work for forty hours a week, I get paid this much, my rent is this much, my car note is this much, and my daughter needs braces. I promise you nobody at this table actually fully understands how the financial system Truly works. No, 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 no. no. I mean, no, no that no, is no, reserved no. for you. No. I don't even pretend. That kind of crap. I'll tell you the crazy but. thing. When I was in ninth grade, I learned about the stock market in history class. Huh. Because it of the was, crash. It was an assignment. Yes. Yep. We we scare you away from it. Well, we had to do. We had to pick a stock and we had to follow it for however long. Assignment was. I want to say it was two weeks. We had to report on it. We had to do like uh, if we were investing in it, you know, like we had to do this whole thing. But it was all in history class. Excuse me, people out there, podcast like No, you're good. It's allergy <laughs> season. I would love to see a program that's mandatory in public schools that seniors have to take. Promise public schools is their state by state, so you can't. There right. is no yeah. federal law that you can enforce. Right. But I would love to see a system where they invented a class. And I don't care if you check in once once every month or whatever to see what it is. But you get a fictional amount of money. Right. That's your money. You get a fictional salary. You get fictional tools to use to balance your stuff. Right. You can choose to take out loans. You can choose to not take out loans. You can choose to invest. You choose to do what you normally would with a paycheck. Exactly. And then over the course of the year, because I think it's the length of time that matters. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Over the course of the year. Which is the reason that I said I wanted to be a year-long class, not just... A semester or, or a day at the piece of shop of a in semester where they kind of yeah gloss. I, I agree with that. I think if they do that, it should be at the latest your junior year. I think it needs to be before you start getting presented college loan. That's course. probably that's well, probably and more a lot accurate. of people like that's some people graduate right. early, so you would want it to do well, like those, my those graduating early might because you're you're applying for you're applying for loans and stuff. But my daughter's graduating. I would want her to go through a so person. I still would want her to go through a personal finance class yeah, because you know I would want. Yes, because I was explaining to her like she was asking me how credit cards work, and I was explaining that to her. And, yeah, 
But I, you know. Well, and a lot of seniors can legally get a credit card. Yeah, yeah. I'm so you're 18. So you probably yeah. should be doing it as a junior. That's a, probably a good suggestion. Well, yeah, because um, the crazy thing is, like, when I was a senior in high school, a lot of my friends that went on spring break, there were people there trying to get them to open up credit cards. <laughs> sure. And they did because they needed more money to spend. And I think that's the problem with most people and And it credit, was just like, I would kick my child's butt for doing that. The, the flip side of it is I think you also have a real problem with the way credit scores are reported in that it is to your advantage to have credit cards. True. It actually hurts your credit score to not have credit hey, cards. To not have one. Which is just absolutely insane to me uh, if you have other assets and things along those lines that don't get factored in. You get factored in to some degree. Yeah. But you're available cash and stuff that you can get your hands on at any point, regardless of the interest rate, exactly. means more than anything else to the FICO scores. Yeah. yeah. Mm. You have to diversify your credit. Like, it truly, like, mm -hmm. it's it's amazing. Like, I, when I look at my credit score, I get dinged every time because I don't have a personal credit card. You know, but yeah, I have a Platinum Amex that <laughs> says my name on it, you know, but it's not but reported. It's, but it's your business. Yep. <laughs> and I can access tons of money if I need to, and then just, nope, that doesn't okay. count for you. All right. They don't count any of those assets. That's crazy. That, that, now, that's, see, that's something I never knew. That, that's a very weird thing. That, yeah. If, it's, if it's your It's the business. health of your company, not the health of your personal credit. Yeah. Yeah, it just... That's but then it should factor into available assets to me. I... I yeah, agree with that. Mm -hmm. So maybe we should write a course and uh, have high schools or have it be a your massive brain turning right now. And then uh, just make it an online course that people could come and. Uh, I think you could partner up with an Intuit or somebody like that very, very easily. Yeah. Be a massive tax off tax write off for those guys if they wanted to do it. Yeah. Um, and you know. I'm sure it'd help him out because they, they would have mint to be, is, is, oh, is a free too bad product. Oh, here, man. His he would be like all over that. <laughs> all over. Hey, it. Well, hey. maybe not. He might not at high school level. I don't think necessarily that teaching somebody to balance a checkbook is a good thing. I think teaching them modern tools that you can access on your phone. Well, yeah. okay. So when when we talk way, about yeah. balancing checkbooks, though, we're just talking about your balancing checking your account. checking account. Right. Right. Yeah. No, no, no. But what what schools do that it always is very painful to me mm -hmm. is in this day and age where you have a calculator on your phone, they still make you do longhand <laughs> division for years. I'm like, I don't need that. I don't. I don't need to know how that works because I know how to get the answer already. I just think that's yes. stupid. The methodology. But at the same time, they don't teach people how to make change either. And a lot of people in this world have jobs where they need to understand that there's multiple ways to make change and not take five years to do it. I've watched somebody <laughs> struggle with I'm, making change, and it's just like, how do you even have a job? I don't disagree. It just reminded me of that Saturday Night Live skit where they were the bank that made change. Uh, <laughs> and the guy's like, the guy came in with $100, and we gave him, you know, we counted out yeah. like three 20s and a 10. Well, our computers immediately picked up the air. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was one of the best lines ever. This made me think of Chipotle, which kicks out the, your change from a machine. Yeah. 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 That's, think of how much you lose. Yeah. Think of how much would be wasted if they didn't. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny. I remember, you know, thinking about needing to have financial literacy or whatever in high school, or just just math literacy. <laughs> uh, I remember we had our dean of discipline 
both of his sons went to went to my high school. You had a dean of oh yeah, I forgot yeah. you were in private school. No no no, this is public high school. Yeah, we had dean a dean of discipline. Yeah, dean wow. of discipline. yeah. so uh, that's scary. So his both his sons went to high school the same time I did. Um, they were uh, one was in my one was a year ahead of me, the other was a senior when I was a freshman sophomore sophomore. And uh, so um, Joe uh, the, they were the, the Munda brothers. Joe, uh, the senior captain of the football team, uh, was the meatiest meathead I've ever <laughs> met in my life. And, uh, and his brother, uh, that I cannot remember his name, uh, he was uh, on the baseball team. And uh, I remember one day I was trying to get something out of the vending machine and I needed to get change. For uh, a quarter, actually. And, uh, what is that? And wait, so so uh, so I turned to him. I said, "Hey, hey, my man, you got to, you got change for a quarter." And he goes in his pocket. <laughs> if I'm lying, I'm dying. And he goes, uh, "All I got is two dimes and a nickel." And I go, "Don't don't worry about it." <laughs> don't I don't want to rip you out. <laughs> You're right. Don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> Thank you, but don't worry about it. Because <laughs> I was thinking, wow. How are you breathing? <laughs> like that, that you couldn't immediately put together that you had changed for a quarter. So, so I was saying, <coughs> with that, there are some people, no matter what you do, that you cannot help. <laughs> Just yeah, there, there yes, I think you're absolutely right. You know, I think what, what, I think what bothers me and, uh, you know, one of the kind of overarching topics that we talk about on this podcast is uh, politics and stuff like that. But I think one of the overarching things that bothers me, whether it's finance or politics or even uh, like pop culture stuff even, uh, is that people are blissfully and willfully ignorant. Like they like they don't know and they don't seem to want to know and that bothers me because no well no it's like what we were talking about at lunch. Yeah, it just it just bothers me because at the end of the day if if I would have known some of the things I know now earlier in life, uh, you know, I would have saved myself some financial heartache. Uh, and, and, and to tell you the truth, would probably uh, already be having a company worth mm-hmm. some real money. Right? Mm-hmm. Because just knowing that, oh, this is how it works. Or that, you know, that credit card is, and, and I never thought it was free money, but, you know, that idea of, oh, $25 a month. You know, you could just, and and the fact that that does not work <laughs> for really anybody, you know, uh, you know, is those are things that I learned over time. But you know, had there been in junior year of high school, mm-hmm. you know, a class that really took you through all of that, you know, like you said, the entire semester you tracked a stock, you know, the you were constantly. 
uh, having to deal with um, balancing the money in your account because you had a fictional job that you were you know collecting money from and, and what does that mean what does and and the fact that you get to let's say you get to pick your job in junior high school so you want to be a uh, you know you want to you know you want to work at Best Buy you know oh okay fine you know so the average person that works at Best Buy makes you know twenty six thousand dollars a year okay that's what you're gonna have to work with you know oh I want to be a doctor okay the average doctor after uh, you know uh, high school and college and medical school and and residency makes this much money their loans are gonna be this much you know and like the fact that we don't in this in this country because I do believe there are some countries that may have a better financial literacy program for their young people but in this country it seems as if as long as the football game starts on time and there's a cold beer and a hamburger or a hot dog that they can eat at that moment, then there must not be any cares in the world. Well, I, I think you're talking about two different types of, of, of financial things here. There are the ones where, you, like you were mentioning, where uh, people are blissfully ignorant about it. Like they, or maybe they even know, but they're in denial and they say, you know, I, I know I shouldn't go buy the next new thing. Um, but I want to. But, but I don't I care if I can't. They're keeping up, the, up with the Joneses. So they're going to go do that. They know it's probably not a good idea, but they're going to go do it. Mm -hmm. And then you have the side where it's, are they truly haven't been educated about, well, let's talk about these student loans, for example, that you're wanting to take out. And yes, you feel that you were guaranteed a job when you get out, but here's what that job pays. Have you thought about that? And how long it's going to take you to pay that back? And the fact that if you go into bankruptcy, that debt, <coughs> that specific debt does not go away. So that's, I think that that's very different. Yeah, I would um, throw out a third side, which, again, going back to entrepreneurship on this, have you seen the size of the U.S. tax code? Oh, it's ridiculous. insane. It's ridiculous. There is it's, no way you could possibly yeah, even begin to crack 10% of what really happens in that same yeah, it's, thing. Yeah, it's double, the size of like double three size phone more books. Yeah. I mean, it's just nonsense. And... I mean, we recently discovered that we were entitled to hundred thousands of dollars of deductions because our accountant didn't know about a manufacturing law that actually includes video production because California is losing so much video production to Canada. So they had lobbied, got it into the bill, and for, well, forever, since George Bush was in office, the younger one, um, we've been entitled to write off massive amounts of our overall oh, revenue. Wow. You can only go back three years. That's right. all you can do. So and how long have we you have been, been in business? This law, I think, was passed in 2004, <coughs> and Obama upped the rate on it So uh, in 2008. So we could have gone back a long time. That's a lot of money we're not talking about that we can't get back. But believe me, if I owed it to the IRS, they would take it from me. Mm-hmm. You know, the state of Missouri yeah. came after us once for, for a ton of money. This was like 7%. They had this use tax which most people don't even understand this. So if you buy something from out of state, like Illinois, which we did, bought a ton of equipment from there when we started our business, that's interstate commerce. By federal law, that should be sales tax free. But Missouri has a law, which they do in conjunction with Illinois, Kansas, and a bunch of surrounding states, um, 
where you have to then declare it as a use tax, which magically equals the exact same amount as what the sales tax would have been. <laughs> and they came after us for that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, well, this is just bullshit is all this is. I mean, this isn't even a legal tax in my mind. This is just crap. Yeah. So, but you're seeing all kinds of stuff like that that go on. That guy who just wants to start a business that makes commercials or make apps or a website, whatever you want to do. All that stuff, there's no possible way you could ever know all that. You know, and those are two stupid examples, but, I mean, there's a a billion examples like that. And after a while, especially if you were just one person that wanted to create something cool. Sure. I mean, it's discouraging. After a year (coughs) one or two, you're like, you know what, forget it. Well, and then you're forced into the situation where you have to count on professionals, and then when the professionals are wrong... Uh, then what do you do? Because I can't be a doctor, an accountant, a lawyer, and a business owner all at the same time. You know, it doesn't work like that. And you you have to pay an accountant when the accountant doesn't know shit, and you don't know that your accountant knows shit or not. You know, you got a great recommendation. So she was wrong. You know, and it cost us hundreds of thousands of dollars, but I can't go back and do anything about it, and I'm responsible for the money. So, like, you know, that's ridiculous. Yeesh. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. <coughs> so does anybody... Uh, well, I have a quick question. Is yeah, it better to owe or that they got it that you should get back? You mean in terms of your withholdings? No, I'm just saying for your personal opinion. Uh, it, I, mean, it sucks I do not them. believe in giving the government any more money than they deserve. And for all the crap that Trump has gotten about paying zero taxes, I would say he was, one, had to pay at a corporate level, so corporations are taxed at an incredibly high rate. He didn't pay personal income tax, which is very different. But the Supreme Court's made it exceptionally clear, and I promise you, Bill and Hillary, follow this as well, that you are legally entitled to take every possible deduction under the sun. You do not know any more tax than you are legally bound to do. So there's no reason that just because he's a billionaire he should be paying at the highest personal tax rate uh, he's entitled to whatever deductions he can get. By, because he'll by run the tax most side. of it through his company anyway. Well, so no, it's already doesn't... it's already taxed. In fact, I guarantee you, C corp gets taxed first, and then the dividends get paid out. And so, really, a C corp is a double taxation mm-hmm. system, which is mm-hmm. a bunch of nonsense. In my mind, investors, this is to me is a real problem, and this is one one thing I would change immediately because they always talk about capital gains. Capital gains for, should be for people who do not make the majority of their income based on investments. Because once you make them, like a Mitt Romney, mm-hmm. once all you are doing is investing, actually, that's your job. You now, that's income tax to me. Right. You should be taxed at the income at the tax level. Right. Yeah. You know, but they won't do it. So that would be one loophole I'd love to see changed. But it's never going to happen. Here's, here's one other thing, and this is, I think, very dangerous. We keep talking about uh, people should spend less and spend less and spend less and be more careful and do all these things. I don't think it's spend less. I don't, I don't think you should live outside your means. By, ne- by necessity, based on the way the economy goes right mm-hmm. now, that would mean people spending a lot less but then, because then, we're racking up debt. What I would say then is... Then we go into a recession. Well, that's exactly what I would say is that all of a sudden you don't realize how much that would damage the economy because it's people borrowing on their home equity lines and <coughs> using credit cards to buy stuff that makes kind of churns the engine a little bit. Well, we've inflated the size of what should be considered our market, right? Sure. So, if, you know, go back to iPhones. We have this many that we can sell. Well, if everyone's taking out loans, there's suddenly this extra money that a lot more people can now afford to buy them. But the thing is... Where our market would otherwise be much smaller, which then affects, well, if 
we don't make them here in the U.S., but say we did, you know. We make pieces and parts. I mean, most of the glass comes from uh, Cornyn and that kind of stuff, the Gorilla Glass and those kinds of things, although they switch to sapphire glass. So there's the some models. Slow, like, the whole but, wheel slows down, right? Yeah, I mean, you really... And again, keep in mind, it's, it's a global economy at this point, and if you don't want to remember the facts, like what happened in 2008 caused a ripple effect in the market. What happened in Greece caused an enormous ripple effect in the market. Yeah. I mean, it is a very, very, very global economy at this point. Mm -hmm. so. Very. So, does anybody have any uh, real, real position in, mar in the stock market? Uh, quite a few stocks, sure. I said, what about you, Brian? Nothing yet. Just... Uh, I mean, uh, mine's all through my 401k, full, yeah. but it's all based on um, right. stocks that we choose. Yeah. But and you can only choose from, from mutual funds, right? Um, in a 401k? I, I don't know. You I can't don't... pick individual stocks in a 401k. Yeah, I think it's yes. all mutual. It has to be mutual funds. And one of the sad facts about mutual funds is that 80% of them underperform the market. And have they taught you how to, you know, which ones to go for? Do you, did you just study up on them and really analyze those I talk, returns? Me personally, I talked to somebody that knew the stock market and told them these are the ones I have to choose from. I have to have my 100% come out of, you know, how should I divvy this up? And right. I've done really good with that. But I didn't. Sure. Half of what I would be would have been reading at the time, I would would have been like, "What the hell am I even looking at?" Which is why you pay a professional to do it, hope they know what they're doing. Well, but but, but it's one of the it was social security. Yeah, but that gets me back to asking when you know you don't know, sure. and uh, and you know the fact that you know you were able to ask somebody that you trusted. You know, I think well, was, I, I think, yeah, I have. I mean, I have some of my family that's. That's what they've done their whole life is financial stuff, and they're very well off. So when I have a financial question, I will ask them because I, I, I see how they've done with their, with their life and with their money and what they're sure. doing and how they've, you know, raised and taught their children. Right. So it's, you know, like my, I have a, an uncle that they live in California. <coughs> And when, you know, his daughter got married, he sat them down, the, the daughter and son-in-law, and said, you need to come up with a budget. I'm going to help you do this. And, you know, he talked them through it. And they now own two businesses. And um, they're doing really well. And, sure. You know, but it's, I, I think it's going back to education, it's, your parents being willing to talk to you about, you know, I don't know when that kind of, I don't know, like, I talk to my kids about things my parents would never talk to me about. But you just have to be okay with asking the question and, and hearing, listening to the answer. And I agree with you to a certain point, but to Brian's first very <coughs> there are nine billion tools in the world that you don't need somebody to talk to you about that you can figure out on your own if and you should and I'm not willing to advocate the re personal responsibility level of it to say I, I don't think you should have gotten on this nobody was poorer than I was poor when I was in college I and mean, I was selling blood just to pay rent 
you know, and at some point I realized this is not the way I want to live my life. I'm going to actually take a little more vested interest. That's why you always call that. That's true. But I mean, you know, I worked four jobs because I don't want to have debt. Yeah, it, it freaked me out. But that, but that's the thing, and and I don't, I don't, do, I totally agree with you. You have to be, you have to have some kind of education to know where to look and to ask and the tool where the tools that are available to you. Uh, really but at the same the time, machine. everybody's got it. Like you not know, everybody on. has a not everybody has. I there are right. people that I work with that do not work. what. I didn't hear the library doesn't have Google. Your phone doesn't have Google. Nothing has Google. You can't look stuff up. Nobody has Amazon. But you're talking you know, about people that, download, like, you Kindle have a different free. level of drive. Not everyone no, in this world has shit. that. And then I got, didn't want to be poor. Right. I mean, that's but all not everybody happened. has that. Some people are just stagnant in their life and they don't that's care enough. That's a much enough. larger problem and that's not something yeah. that education fixes and it's not a systematic problem. That is a personal problem. And congratulations. But Honestly, I was actually thinking about that. But we were... that's what I'm trying to say. I agree with what you're saying. You don't take the, it's, it's your, at some point, yes, you made the decision to do something that you knew was wrong or you didn't, you know, you have to take personal responsibility for that. I was thinking about the stock market game if we had this in high school. Let's say you did it for four years. And I was thinking about all the people I graduated high school with. A very small percentage went to college. Um. And I was thinking, what, which one of the people would have gone through if you chose a job, say, as a freshman in high school, and then you were given whatever amount of money, and then they checked in every year, how that would end up based on, like, if, what, what would the correlation be, say, to grades? I, I'm just, I, I, it was just interesting to think about, because I was thinking, <coughs> there's going to be people that go through and say, oh, crap, that's due, you know, if it's once a month, oh, crap, that's due this week. Um, and they go through and they just kind of check a couple boxes just to turn in the homework. And would they actually learn anything? No, I think what would happen? You're gonna have those that do and those. That the do. real mm -hmm. program would have to be again electronically based. You would need to bring in a company like Intuit. You get fictional dollars when you spend them. That has to be recorded and checked off on. So there's no way to fudge it. You can't do it, uh, which I find interesting. And the other thing I think would be super interesting is if you presented people with five to ten jobs. I wonder. Not just what the millennials would do, but what kind of salary negotiation they would want. Because we get more and more people who negotiate for more time off than they do for a higher salary. Mm -hmm. uh, because one overwhelming trait of a lot of the millennials is that they would prefer to have a lifestyle factor as opposed to a financial factor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's, it's bizarre. It's, uh, which is and funny. Cause as a business owner, do you like that? I don't give a crap what they what they value. I want them to have whatever they buy. Like that's the way you attract the best talent is to figure out what that person wants. That's called a negotiation. What do you want? What do I want? Let's meet in the middle and here we go. You know, so I, I don't mind. I certainly don't mind paying out cash. Like less cash, that's a great by me. You know? <laughs> you do pay and you do pay different taxes on vacation time versus actual working time. Yeah. It's true. a different that's, that's tax rate. That's why you have to track it. You can mm -hmm. track it all in a bucket now, mm -hmm. but you still, it's mm -hmm. not taxable in the same Yeah, way. if you look at your, if you, well, I don't know about how you work since you work at home, but like on my pay stub, it has holiday, if there's a holiday within my pay period, that's mm -hmm. taxed differently. Um, vacation time is taxed differently. You don't have the city tax yep. on, on vacation time or holiday time. 
but it's, it's, only, it's a lot of yeah. things. Like we had a kid who was pissed off the other day because he had. That's why he and his wife had a kid. This was, I don't know, maybe a year ago, and he was exceptionally upset that he only got three weeks off of work. Well, one, I'm only required to give you two, and those two weeks don't even have to be paid. But I paid you for three weeks to not work, and that which I thought was pretty exceptionally cool, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, he was just irrationally <coughs> upset about the fact that he only got paid for three weeks. What yeah, what brought that on? Like he didn't he decided not. <laughs> it's bizarre. It's it's not understanding the way that the law works. And I, mean, I didn't make up the law. It's like I tell people all the time whenever I have to do the accounting. I'm like. I didn't, the IRS didn't ask me if we need to keep receipts. They just said you have to. You know, so when I ask you for the receipt, I don't give a shit what you spent the money on. I just need the receipt because I got to put it somewhere. Yeah. You know, and so the day they consult me, then I will say, no, I'd really love to not keep receipts. That'd be great. But they didn't ask me. So I got to do it. Yeah, and ours is anything under or over $25 we have to have a receipt for. Yeah, and there's different rules. Like, mm-hmm. I'll let people say, like, I'm traveling, it's actually 75 bucks, you know, things like that. Yeah. But they're hyper strict on meals, hyper strict on entertainment, you know, all those kinds yeah, of things. Yeah, we have to list out everybody that was... That's a lot. Yeah, that if was you have at a, the meal. If you have a turn in a receipt, you have to put in all the names and the very specific business discussion that you had. Well, I don't know how they do that. I think we put the name of the meeting and... But you would probably and, be able to yeah. track it back. Yeah. How, many, so, yeah. how many employees do you, does your company have? Uh, about 23. Okay. It varies. I mean, like right now, we have 23 employees. We were also employing, you know, 40 contractors, you know, because we're okay. doing a big shoot. But then those contractors will go away. But you still have to account for them. <coughs> yeah. Because in some states like California, they can turn around and see you for unemployment, even if they work for you for two days. And that's even paid at a different rate. Yep. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I'm like, well, you've accrued about $6 in unemployment, so congratulations. <laughs> congratulations. It's just silly. Mm-hmm. But if you don't abide by all of those laws, then you get screwed. So then your only other option is, well, now I have to go out and hire a payroll company who specializes in production insurance and payroll mm-hmm. just to not get screwed later by the state of California. So, <coughs> <coughs> One of the reasons do I you guys that. do your own payroll? Uh, used to. And then it just became easier to run it through our company. Yeah, because uh, it used to be that QuickBooks didn't electronically file all your taxes. You would still have to manually turn around and write mm-hmm. checks and mail them out to the government and stuff. Mm-hmm. And in this case, they just collect the money and I never see it, so I don't yeah. have to worry about it. And that's the best way to go. I mean, that's why they switch on the plan. Mm-hmm. It used to be that you literally, when the law was first implemented, you had to write a check for your unemployment tax and that kind of stuff. And nobody did. So they changed it to be the employer's responsibility to take it out of your check. So the employee never sees Now it. the only people that have that don't are subcontractors. Yeah, they, 1099ers. Yeah, they still have to account for their own taxes. But unless you're in California where you're considered an employee for those days, which we still have to pay on them. It's ridiculous. <clears throat> a nonsense, stupid state. So your your business is a California-based business? No, but we do a lot of shooting in California. Okay. So we'll have to go hire crews, gotcha. which you in any other state would be 1099ers as a right-to-work state and all that kind of stuff. Right there. So okay. we've had five or six people try to sue us for unemployment up there. Sheesh. You're not employed. 
Oh, wow. I heard you to go get water from Walgreens one day. So, I think that brings us to the next segment, uh, which was kind of, uh, I just called it investing in yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, I guess from two different angles, you probably, uh, and I definitely have an, an opinion on this as uh, somebody who's dealt with uh, dealt with the music industry on some level for the last twenty years. Uh, but being a being a business owner and now being somebody who uh, can telecommute uh, every day. The talk to me about what you think the importance of self investment is. It's funny when you started talking. I literally called up my Kindle just to see what I have on here. So I have the last. Five books that I've read are on here. Small Business Tax Deductions Revealed, The Tax and Legal Playbook. Uh, one was that week. Uh, deduct Everything. Uh, <laughs> How to Pay Zero Taxes, Again for Small Businesses, LLC Quick Startup Guide, Taxes for Small Businesses Revised, The Quick Start Guide, The Economics of Audiovisual Industry. Right. I mean, like, yeah, at some point it becomes your responsibility to try to figure the crap out. Especially once I realized that my accountant didn't know everything. And especially things that are specific to our business, I'm like, well, you can't blame anybody else. This is now your responsibility to figure this out. So, and most of those books were free because that is not a high selling uh, genre. And so, if you have an Amazon Prime membership, they will most likely let you borrow the book for no dollars, read it, return it, and you're done. Mm-hmm. So, for, for mine, uh, there was this. I purchased this programming book at one point from this online publisher for $10 or $10 or $15. And I couldn't even tell you what it was. It was something to do with JavaScript, I think. And then they messaged me like three months later and said, hey, we had this huge sale, all books $5. And I stocked up. I went through, I think I bought probably 40 or 50 books. Just, wow. I'm uh, all over those. I do that too. And, and I haven't read most of them, but I have them all PDFs now. And I actually... I shouldn't say this, but I put it all on Google Drive, and I've sh- shared it with a couple people. Say, sure. hey, if you want to learn anything about programming, here's everything you need to know, and here all you, know, you can flip through them anytime you want. And so I have those, so it's out there, and yeah, <coughs> that does cost money. But let's talk about some of the skills that I use daily now. So I, I am doing data analysis now on marketing. Before it was on other operations projects, um, but all the math's the same. And there are free languages out there. There's one called R, uh, which is a statistical package. Uh, one of the main services hosted by KU, so it's completely free. Go online, download the language. Uh, and I've taken at least four classes from Johns Hopkins University <coughs> teaching how to do data analysis using R. And those courses are 100% free. You go online, you go to Coursera.org, and they have they're actual professors. They are standing up in front of a camera and show you how to go through. They give you homework to do. Um, uh, and, and this was actually a sequence course, all, all the courses. So you take the first one, uh, which was probably eight to ten weeks. Um, you have to spend five to ten hours a week doing it. 
and then the next one starts a few weeks after that, and you just take them right in a row. And by the end, you know how to program, you know how to do all this data analysis, and it costs me nothing. And now I can walk into a job. I, I, I now do that remotely, um, and it's, it's been pretty great. Uh, and that's not the only type of course they have. They have anything you can think of now in Coursera. And it's actually in several languages. Mm. Um, so I've taken classes from Johns Hopkins, one from uh, University of Washington, one from uh, University of Melbourne. Um, and those were using other type of programming languages also. But very, very, and what was interesting about the one with the University of Melbourne is if you pass that class, which only 5% of people passed it, if you pass that class, they said in there you were more or less guaranteed a job offer. Um, you know, and I went through, and I did pass, I barely slid by. Um, but you could go through and take it again if you wanted to. Yeah. And you could take it as many times as you need to to learn. Yeah. Uh, and you can actually email the professors and they would get back to you, which for mm -hmm. free. Well, I mean, so why wouldn't anyone take advantage of that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I will say uh, to anybody listening in podcast later, uh, you're probably listening to a roundtable of barely self starting people. Um, so. You know, I understand that. Uh, I understand that a lot of people won't uh, or don't. I should probably say it's a better word. Uh, take advantage of everything that's out there for their self improvement. But I will say. <clears throat> Whether you take a free online class or you ask somebody or you, you shadow somebody to learn the skill that you want to learn. Yeah, I remember when I was a lot younger, uh, I didn't know how to produce my own music. Um, and I'm not necessarily um, good at just like online learning, but I have a good friend who he knew the program that I still use, uh, Logic, and he had been using it from the PC days when uh, Logic still. Uh, still put programs out for PC and I really just shadowed him and uh in shadowing him like I was going to his home studio and I was sitting with him as we were working on you know different songs and but I made a point to really pay attention to what he was doing um and it came a point where he had to uh, leave his equipment somewhere at somebody's house. Just uh, he was going through a bad breakup and a lot of other things, and so he wound up leaving the equipment at my house. And so one day, I decided I was going to try my hand at 
uh, producing a track for myself. And so I, I produced this track, and uh, so he came over to my house after after work. Cause you know we all work day jobs, and, uh, <laughs> and I remember. Uh, I say, okay, okay, I did this track, I'm really excited about it, what you hear, tell me what you think, you know, because it's probably bad, but, you know, tell me what you think, <laughs> and uh, I remember he took his hat, and he threw it across the room, he was like, motherfucker, you know how to break, you know how to make beats all this, all this time, I was like, no, I've been watching you <laughs> all this time, and, uh, and now, uh, as far as, uh, tracks are concerned you know now he comes to me and says hey uh, I need you to arrange this or I need you to I need you to work with the audio that I created because you know I think I've created something solid but I don't know how to take it from just a good groove to an actual working song Mm -hmm. And uh, but that's a skill that I developed because I really wanted to learn it. So I guess what I'm saying to everybody out there, podcast land, is no matter what it is that you're trying to learn, no matter what it is that you need to learn, whether it's how to take care of your own personal finances or uh, you know producing your own music or. Uh, your video pieces, whatever it is, you know, there's tools out there. You know, there's tools out there, there's people out there that are willing to help, but you've got to take the first step and uh, ask for the help that you need and whether, like I say, whether it comes from, you know, uh, a book or an online course or a whatever, there are ways for you to learn what you need to learn because I think the worst crime that, you know, I think as it, taking things back to kind of our political climate, you, know, you have so many people who uh, they look at the at, the incoming president as this person is going to fix everything. This person is going to save the country. And really, it's us as individuals improving ourselves on an almost daily basis to be better at things that we we're doing or the things that we want to be doing. That really churn the financial engine and really there's almost no president that's going to do that for you well they don't have the ability yeah exactly you know I think which constitutional which kind of gets me back to the point of of people really not understanding how systems work and you know the the office of the president, the the body of our legislative branch, you know, our uh, Congress and Senate and uh, our judicial branch, are all set there to check and balance each other. So 
the president can't do everything. The Congress can't do everything. Our judicial branch can't do everything. But they work in conjunction with each other to keep this democracy moving forward on a day-to-day -day basis. And it really doesn't work very much differently in our day-to-day -day lives. We have to be willing to admit what we are not strong at so that we can improve in those areas. And like I said, whether you have to buy a book or take a class or whatever, uh, bless you. Thank you. Uh, right, be willing to go get help on the things you're not. Be yeah, be willing. Yeah. I would agree, but I and think that, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Surround yourself with people that make you better. That's true. Agreed with that. Agreed with that too. Absolutely. I, I do want to mention on this Coursera. So when I started using Coursera, there was maybe ten courses. So it was fairly new back in 2010. Now there are 1,281 courses for free. And they span topics of business, social sciences, computer science, data science, arts and humanities, life sciences, uh, physical science and engineering, personal development, language learning, and math and logic. The one funny thing I do think that is a danger of the way, and I'm a victim of this, just a victim, not a victim, I'm just a moron, but this is what I did, and this happens to a lot of people, and it's a change in the way that people can learn sometimes, because now there's so many resources out there. The only value I ever thought school provided was a system of learning where you started from the beginning and worked your way up. So I remember when I was learning SQL for the first time. I just knew the problem I wanted to solve. So I would look up how to do the problem that I wanted yeah. to solve, and I'd find the answer. And it's like, it's, it's like my Spanish. Like, I knew what I wanted to say, so I'd look it up, but I actually don't know. I can't say common phrases because I never learned to conjugate verbs, but I can yeah. say really hard things because I, you know, that's what I wanted to communicate. And it gets weird. Like, you can get out of order really quickly where you don't know how to do easy things, but you know how to do harder things. Um, right. Just because you're looking for a specific answer and not wanting to know uh, the system. So you're instead of learning how to think, which is really what you're like, how right. to think in within this topic. You're more of finding the you're finding the answer, answer to the, the answers yeah. what you want to do, and that is the only that's the only thing that I think. And it's not a major drawback to me. I'm still a believer that people should not go to college and do that stuff. I think it's a waste. I think it's you're just throwing away money. I think. Even if you took that and spent 25 bucks a month on lynda.com or better yet, did it for free on, on this site, great. I mean, whatever you want. <coughs> in our industry, I literally have never seen a resume and that just thrown away. I just need you to show me your work and that you, you're good at what you do. That's all I care about is what you've done. So, but it is weird though that you skip so much and you bounce around so much along the way. I wonder if that'll ever be a problem that catches up with people. Do you know what I mean? Does that, does that make well, any sense? Well, but then again, at the same time, going through that, you've learned how to look things up. And I agree. But so you've learned that other skill set. But, for example, there's more pieces to a job than that. So imagine, like, a, you, I've made no secret of the fact that I'm dying moving to Mexico at some point. I don't know the basics of the language. I know just know how to ask for things I want. So I'm going to have to go back. So I will sound like a moron on a lot of things. <laughs> and then they will go, oh, okay, I think I got this really weird thing that you said over here. <laughs> but why can't you say the easy thing, you moron? You know, and that's yeah. kind of what you're going to have to go through for a while. I know people who are 
phenomenal at what they do, but can't put together a basic email that reads coherently. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, very that, know, that, that is amazing how how uh, basic business skills you you just somehow lose them. Yeah, you know? and in that way. And I think it's because a lot of the time we do just look for the answer and not we the had, methodology. But we you know, actually had to go through, send people through a writing class because they would send emails in the way they text. Right. And it was like. Were you saying R and it's leading the letter R? R U. <laughs> yeah. Or you know they would say something and it was all abbreviated words and then a smiley face Death. and you're like. Period. Are you seriously sending this professional email to multiple people? But <laughs> you know? this goes back to the, the top, the, the original topic, which is right. how are millennials changing the way that we work, and what is the net result of that? And I think that, I mean, I know as a business owner, I've completely had to adjust to that, unless it's to the point where I feel like we're dealing with. So we have a phenomenal 30-year-old photographer. She's great exceptionally talented, does so much work, and she puts together a treatment, and then you gotta rewrite the treatment because it's going to a 45 or 50 year old guy who's gonna make the decision on where the job's going. Right. But her images are stunning, and her thought process about how she got there is amazing. Okay. Her ability to communicate the thought process is probably a little less advanced than you know you want to be. So, but that's why you but have a team you of people. Spend, do you spend time teaching that, or you do can't you just teach, redo you, you, it? You can't teach that. I mean, at this point, she's, she's 30, and I don't want her to study photography, and I want her to spend her time making the greatest images in the world, and then I'll put together a team around that that says, explain your thought process to me, and we'll put it in the best possible verbiage that we can, and then we'll kick it out. So I, I could ask her to go try what, to <coughs> read. And what if she came to you and said, I want to learn to be able to communicate this? I'd say, great, on your off time, I'd love for you to do that, because <laughs> that's the time I'm not paying for. I'm paying you to be a photographer. Yeah. yeah, that's good. No, I like that. I'm just curious. Yeah. Which I think brings us naturally to uh, the last topic, which uh, is entrepreneurship. Sure. And uh, so, uh, as the business owner at the table, uh, how do I want to phrase the question? Sure. If if you could do it all over again, knowing, knowing what you know now about running a business, mm -hmm. what advice could you or would you give to uh, a young person? or anybody for that matter who wants to start their own business? I would say what most people do when they start a business is they have a passion for doing something. I have a great idea for an app. I have a great idea for a video company, yada, yada, yada. And they don't, they don't realize that they're part of a larger system that involves taxes, the law, accounting, everything else that goes with it. So either... And this is the hard part. There's only so many hours in the day. So you can either spend your time trying to figure that stuff out on your own, or you can try to find somebody who's really good at that. But even then, you can't trust them 100%. You need to know. And they also, I know so many people, I've got a good buddy who's a lawyer. 
you know, he kills it, blah, blah. I'm like, no, your buddy's a divorce lawyer. He doesn't know shit about writing a contract for <laughs> right. you. You know, he's going to set you up in business and negotiate an NDA. You know, that's not going to happen. So uh, I just say, listen, if you're going to start a business, understand it's a lifestyle. You need to be consumed by your business. And uh, if you're not willing to put in the time, effort, and passion, it's not just a check that just comes to you and you get free money and you get to work less and all that. You actually end up working probably three times as much as anybody else. And you're responsible for, literally, and I feel this way all the time, you're responsible for the livelihoods of every single person who works for you. And not just them, but their extended families. And in some cases, their extended families. Right. And it's a massive responsibility. So don't, don't jerk it off. You know, like actually do the work. If you don't want to do the work, then do not start a business because it's not just free money. It doesn't work like that. Right. And being a boss does not just mean that you get to do whatever you want. You earn, you earn the respect of the people that work with you. You don't get it by a title. You don't get it by anything else. I think so. it's. I would think it was. It, you would require a lot of discipline too. You, to you, do it. you have to. You have to be consistent, and you have to be. Uh, willing to be wrong and you have to be willing to admit you're wrong and you have to find the individual trigger of each person that works for you and go this is and I don't care I've had 2,000 people work for me in different call centers and I've had you know 23 or 24 whatever people we have now that you still have to find mm-hmm. the individual button it's not easy one thing I don't like about large corporations and when I wanted to start my own business was I thought everything was always geared towards the least common denominator you a 1% of morons, and so you make up a rule that, uh, well, you can't just wear your, you know, white snake jeans into work <laughs> with your crappy tank top. Like, you got to at least look a little better than that or something. You got to mm-hmm. make an effort. Whatever the rule is. And I don't even think that's an important rule, but it is in a bigger company, clearly. And I hated those rules. I thought they were stupid. They literally were geared towards the 1% who were dumb that you had to hire. Yep. So, well, one I mean, nice thing. I'll be honest, that made me just think of the 1% that wouldn't pay for their own health insurance that you now pay for 100% for everyone. And if it was 1%, I would be thinking that was awesome. <laughs> but we had such a young group of employees that none of them would have paid for it. Yeah, and I'm with you. Know, no, I, sense, I agree. So but, yeah, I mean, there's, like, there's things in my mind that are hot buttons. Like, we started the insurance policy because we hired a kid from Arizona his wife was four months pregnant and had never been to see the doctor. Wow. And I'm like, well, that is, you can't do that. I mean, that is just, one, you're being wrong to your kid, you know, at that point, and you don't know what's going on. You have to take some responsibility here and get this thing straightened out. And if you're not willing to do it, then we're going to step in and do it. And that's how the policy started, to be perfectly honest, and that's back when we had six employees. So. It's much larger than 1%. <laughs> yes, not now. Yeah. <laughs> so I was reading this, <clears throat> read this thing, and it was saying that uh, there was a study done by this French-based organization uh, for uh, economic uh, cooperation and development on uh, U.S. teams. And uh, I think it's probably a good place to good place to uh, to end. Said that uh, out of the thirty thousand teens that uh, they studied, one in six U.S. teens uh, 
fail to reach even a like a baseline level of proficiency with financial literacy. And uh, I think that really kind of brings it back to the original, I guess, intent of, uh, of today's topic is that, you know, as, uh, as a nation and as uh, individuals even, uh, we definitely need to do a lot better in teaching our young people about money and about how to take care of their financial life and their financial health. You know, mm-hmm. I think uh, I think your analogy of you know going to eat the buffet is probably pretty good because. You can definitely eat the buffet. You can eat the buffet every week. But uh, you need to be counterbalancing that with eating eating relatively healthy, trying to get some exercise, everything else, the other six days a week. Mm-hmm. You can't go uh, eat the buffet or McDonald's or whatever seven days a week and expect that uh, you're going to stay a trim fit, <laughs> you know, uh, weight for your height, you know. So, I think I think it's the same with money, you know, or just financial literacy in general. You know, if we don't make some attempt to, you know, teach our young people about money and to some degree, <coughs> excuse me, if there isn't some attempt uh, by us individually, shit, to just give a damn about, you know, our own financial health and literacy, you know, uh, we will be at the mercy of whoever's in office. And, uh, I remember there was this movie, and I, you know, I, I reference it, and laugh about it a lot, but it really kind of scares me. There was this movie called Idiocracy, yeah. that uh, guy goes back in time and finds that he is uh, the smartest person, and he was the most average guy in the world, and. Uh, but when he goes, not back in time, he goes into the future and he realizes that just basic stuff, uh, you know, the American population had abandoned. You know, they weren't watering their crops with water, <laughs> watering them with basically Gatorade because it had electrolytes. And of course, nobody knew what an electrolyte was. And they were also wondering why all the crops were dying. And when he said, well, you have to water them with water, <laughs> they were like, the stuff in the toilet? <laughs> so, uh, I think in order to avoid 
that future, which, you know, watching this election cycle uh, scares me that we may be barreling toward at a much faster rate than I would uh, be comfortable with. Uh, we have to start caring about what we know and what we don't know, whether it's uh, whether it's our finances or uh, you know what are what are your local laws like? Just just such you know. I don't expect anybody overnight to become a brainiac and suddenly you know just be become this walking spouter of just uh, trivial pursuit knowledge. But I do think that if you live in Kansas City, you should probably know uh, if you don't like, let's say, the cigarette tax that they're, that they're trying to propose. Well, what is it? And why is that possibly a good or a bad thing? You know, or, you know, if, uh, like I'm originally from Chicago, you know, and they imposed a really high, really stiff, uh, you know, cigarette tax, just to say. So, you know, whereas, you know, a pack of cigarettes in uh, Kansas City might be, you know, five or six bucks, you know, the same pack of cigarettes in Chicago is $10. Uh, so, but knowing why, what that law is and why that law is in place probably would be a good thing instead of just going, well, cigarettes are $10, you know. Well, yes, cigarettes are $10, but uh, why did it get that way, you know? Everybody a couple of months ago was talking about uh, Brexit and uh, how the European, how... Uh, how that country voted to get out of the European Union. But the crazy thing is, I think everybody who thought, oh, it would never happen, stayed home because they just assumed it would never happen. And then when they woke up, oh shit, we left the EU. And the most Googled <laughs> uh, the most Googled searches were... In, in Europe. In, in Europe. Is what is Brexit and what is the EU? Because, <laughs> because they were literally voting for something that they had no idea what they were talking about. You know, so... <coughs> we talk know. about that all the time. Yeah, people yeah. have opinions and they don't know why they have the opinion. <coughs> they don't do... They don't do their own research or have their own thought. They just listen to what everybody's saying and, oh, that must be right, so that's what I'm going to believe too. Groupthink. Yeah, yeah. and it, it drives me insane when you ask somebody a question and their response is, well, if you don't know, I'm not going to take the time to tell you. No, you obviously don't know. I will challenge you to never use Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> 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 Which is funny because uh, I use Rotten Tomatoes all the time. I do too. Uh, I don't necessarily. Uh, I, I read it, but I'm like, I don't law. agree with that. I don't take it as law, but I definitely, uh, I definitely, because I, I'm a huge uh, movie fan, 
uh, I do look at Rotten Tomatoes to see what the... You want to spend your money on? What the ratings are, and do I want to spend my money on that? And, and I think that gets me back to the original point uh, before I close out, in that just a little bit of research can save you a lifetime of financial pain. We, uh... Chris does not agree. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's not that I don't agree. I think just research is not just Googling something and going to the sites that you like. Research yes. no, no, is no, no, actually no. going to it's... the things that you don't like and actually accepting the challenge of formulating opinions. I right. think you're absolutely right. I, I agree you know, with just that. Just watching Fox News doesn't make you researching <laughs> anything. Neither does watching MSNBC. At some point, you watch them all and yeah. go, okay, I think yeah, exactly. I made up my mind on what I want to uh, do. what I want to do. And I think mm -hmm. with that, uh, we've, hit, uh, we've hit the point that we've uh, hit at every podcast. And that is the point where I end this with the toast <laughs> that started it all for me, and that is...